You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Night here with always typical Lydia today's show we're going to be doing the 2011 horror film cabin in the woods a horror film based on all the classics <laughs> Wes Knight calls it a movie <laughs> he sure does <laughs> going into this I knew the secret that not many other people knew that, oh. that you weren't feeling this this was not your favorite this is not a West pick this is not a West pick. This is not a West pick, kids. Mm. Which pains me to say because I know a lot of people really do like this film. And I know that you like it. And I know that uh, Mr. Chris likes it. And a lot of people in my life really like it. Um, I am not as rueful watching it a second time as I was the first time. Uh, and let me say... Very rarely do I bring baggage to a film. Yeah. Very rarely. I do not hate on creators. Uh, if they're creators that I don't necessarily like and they don't normally produce things that I like, I leave it alone. Uh, Joss Whedon is a dude that I don't even mind as a creator. I watched Buffy and Angel as a kid. Uh, you know, he was not a person that I had one strong feeling uh, negatively or positively i'm of the other camp where i hear yeah. his name and turn the other way because i'm it's not that i disliked buffy i was a little chagrined when the series came out and it wasn't like the film i liked the film as a kid i didn't like the show and then i found it just got campier and cheesier and more teen and more meta and more buffy verse and more joss whedon yes and that is the the joss whedon trappings that we all um, you love it or hate it. People mm-hmm. think that his writing is very clever and the characters that he creates are very clever. And then there's just as many people that have a, a problem with that wink, wink, nudge, nudge attitude. And that is where I come from with this film. This distaste for me started with Joss promoting this movie. In an interview, and you can look it up online, he basically lambasted horror yeah. from the last 20-some-odd years and said that there has not been a frightening horror film made in decades. And he is here to basically finally give us a horror movie that is worthy of horror. He's I'm a horror fan. Horror movies sucked for the last little while. I'm here to save it. Sure. Yeah, sure. Go on. So you watch it and you go, yeah, this is what you're giving me. This is your answer to horror. <sighs> Okay. Yes. I get it. So already I was agitated. I'm agitated at that comment. I'm a horror fan. You're a horror fan. If anybody looks us in the eye and says horror hasn't been good in the last 15, 20 years, five years. Ridiculous. That is No, hey, listen to half of our episodes. Not that we specifically pick things from the aughts and the 90s and late 80s. Um, to to disprove this comment, yeah. but yeah, you're you're a walking, talking dictionary of films that were great in the time period he was referring to. Exactly, 
and and I find it just very ignorant. Listen, when people are promoting their films, obviously they want to separate their films from films that have been released and are currently being released. Listen to anyone talking about a horror film after Saw and Hostel really made everyone pay attention. And what did all the interviewers say? They always just said, well, this is not torture porn. This is not going to be like uh, Saw. You know, you, you're going to care about your characters. And we actually, like, that's not, that's just gore and it gets boring. We're going to show you real horror and tension. I get it. You need to, you, you got to fucking sell that picture. That's what it's all about. You got to sell your movie. And the best way to do it, or at least the laziest, is we're better than everybody else. So Josh comes out and he says this movie. I did not see it in the theater, but already I was hearing musings from people who do, did, excuse me, go and see that picture. And the only thing that I heard was how funny it is. Isn't this hilarious? That didn't make me want to watch this movie at all. I don't mind horror comedy. It was his comment that made me annoyed because it is super easy to make someone laugh. It is genuinely difficult to make someone scared. This is and this is my problem with Scream, or my original problem with Scream, and I rewatched the movie, and then that's a whole different set of problems. That was a half hour rant, people, <laughs> that I was privy to. And and again, I'm I, I do not like if this is your favorite horror movie, fucking more power to you. I'm glad you like it. Genuinely, and I don't and that's not glad handing. Good for you. Great. It's not dog shit. It's well acted. There's cool special effects. I like the creatures. There's- it's well written. It's well thought out. And yeah, it does have something for everyone as far as a horror fan. Really? You know, and I'll put it to you this way. If I wanted to show horror movies to people, like, uh, like, like hey, we want to watch like, a horror movie that's not too, like, too much for some people. Like, you know, I'm not going to show them, like, fucking high tension or something like that. This is a great opera. This is a great party horror movie. This is great for people who are like horror, but um, not really. And this is great for dyed in the wool horror fans because there's a lots. There's lots and lots of nods that a lot of real uh, hardcore horror fans can get a kick out of. Oh, completely. And if you like horror comedy or Buffy the Vampire Slayer style writing, because it is very tight writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would never say that Joss can't write. And oh, totally. So, so. I've I bought this picture. I remember last week or the week before that, you you were you're like you own this movie, but you don't like this movie. I was like, well, I had to watch it. So yeah. I, so yes, I gave them my, my uh, shekels and I, I I sat down and watched the movie because I'm not going to sit here and hate on a movie just from uh, an ad uh, campaign. No, really. So truly. I sat down and I watched it. I was presented with a film that I couldn't even imagine anyone being afraid of. And, and again, this goes back to my comment or, or Joss Whedon's comment. And so I just... Oh, no, it's absolutely not scary. It's not scary um, at all. It doesn't build any type of tension. It's very amusing. It, I, I did laugh at some points. I, like, I'm a, I'm a human being, so I guess I'm going to laugh when there's funny things happening. Um, it's got some good gore in it. Uh, there's things in it for people to enjoy. It was the arrogance and the hubris oh, of his comment, and I and it made me annoyed. And I just I don't like this movie. And so and so perhaps unfairly, people have criticized me of this one because I've I've talked to people who really like Cabin in the Woods, and they basically shut me down, saying you're not even talking about the movie. You're talking about someone's comment that which informed the the picture for you before you even saw it. G- granted, that is true, but I still maintain. That if you're here to save us from the horror industry, do something hard, scare us. 
that's the hardest thing to do. It is the hardest thing to do. And he could have turned your opinion around easily with uh, living up to his claim. Or just saying, this is my celebration of horror. I love horror. And this is just me kind of celebrating it. Because again, when you do these super meta horror pictures, you are, in my opinion, making a movie about filmmaking. You're not making a movie on its own yeah. because it doesn't work unless everyone knows the tropes that you're lampooning. So it doesn't work by itself. So it's kind of not a real movie to me. Yeah. But, and that is where... Like Scream. Like Scream. Or like Scary Movie. I would rather watch... I would rather watch Scream and Scary Movie... Oh, no, sorry. No, wait. Let me fix that. I would rather watch this, Cabin in the Woods, than uh, Scream. <laughs> I, I would rather it would be a kind of a hard sell if it was Cabin in the Woods because I like Cabin in the Woods but I kind of like Scary Movie because it is genuinely funny Scary like, Movie is pretty funny really really well written I'll watch those with my dad I might watch this with my dad but he is very squeamish with horror uh, mm-hmm. there may be scenes in this that are not appropriate uh, not that they're not appropriate that I just wouldn't want to see my poor dad get all like eh but I waffled when I was presented with this film in the media. And upon its release, I I was kind of 50-50. I didn't really want to go to the theater. I ended up going to the theater, but I'll get to that. But, of course, this movie is called Cabin in the Woods. What the fuck more else do you need to get Olivia excited? Not a fucking hell of a lot. You could have called it Pitchfork, colon, a Cabin in the Woods. Wow, okay, I'm in. I'm so in. Cabin in the Woods, that's all I need. It's all I fucking need, Wes. And then I saw a picture of it, and I'm like, yeah, that's my cabin in the woods, man. I don't have a cabin in the woods. But if I did, it would be this fucking cabin in the woods. True, yeah. I was sold. And then the back and forth came out of people saying, oh, it's so funny. I was like, out. People like, oh, but it's got all this horror stuff. Like, you'll you really enjoy it. Like, all your favorite horror tropes are in there. All your favorite horror ideas. Any plot that you can think of in horror is represented in here somehow. I'll go, oh, okay, I'm in. And then the cast, I was like, eh, I'm out. And then the fact that it's based on the this, I was going to say holy trinity, but the holy quintuplet of, of horror tropes. And I'm like, okay, well, that's intelligent, maybe. Intelligent coming from Joss Whedon, doubtful, but you know I was so I was really back and forth until one of my roommate at the time, his one of his friends, they're all philosophy majors, him and quite a few of his friends. He was in town, not defending his thesis because he did that recently. He was in defending something else, some other dissertation. I'm not sure. They're probably all doctors now, these guys. But at the time, I think he was going for his honors, and he doesn't like horror has never been into horror. Now that he had some reading time after doing all the reading and writing he did for university, he wanted to get into maybe some Stephen King, but nothing too scary because he is very squeamish. And not just squeamish, just doesn't like... He'll, he'll mull over these things in his head for weeks. Um, so the desolation and the sadness of it all can get to him, he finds. So he was like, I don't know if I should get into Pet Cemetery because that might be too sad and too visually disturbing as well. So he wanted to go see a horror movie because he'd been dabbling in some books and some classics too. Um, and he had been told that Cabin in the Woods isn't too gory, isn't too scary, isn't something that you would really would stick in your mind. 
uh, too badly. Yeah. That is just good, but it is also a very good representation of a plethora of horror ideas, which mm-hmm. is very correct. So he wanted to go to theater, and it was his last weekend or whatever here in Ottawa. He's like, I might as well like go out for coffee, all the things that he never had a chance to really do because he was very studious. So we went to see Cabin in the Woods and went for coffee after to discuss horror. And to, it was very cool for me to go with someone who's not a horror fan and be like, okay, so this guy with the puzzle box, okay, these these creatures here, okay, there's two sets of zombies. Let's get into this. Like we had a really cool conversation about this fucking movie which kind of elevated it to me in a way but watching it i had similar problems with it in that is this poking fun at horror is this a genuine celebration of horror i couldn't tell um i i do enjoy seeing all those nice little tasty eye treats that we get in this film for sure and that's what i like the most about it and the writing's not so bad either and the end. I like the end. Yeah, I, I definitely thought to myself as we were watching it that, oh, you know, the, the, the kind of bleak ending is would appeal to you. It's, it's like a drag me to hell where you, it's kind yeah. of just a, a down note, but the movie's not that serious. And the down note by reflection is kind of like, well, eh, eh. As opposed to, yay, we won. It's, oh, oh we fucked up. <laughs> yeah, and I kinda, yeah, that's a little more realistic to me. Yeah, it's always nice to see characters fail because sometimes people fail in life. And if this whole experiment was to fail, well, then it really needs to fail. And they didn't even really have anyone. I mean, they had Sigourney Weaver for a minute there, but they didn't really have anyone that could compel two people to really want to go go through with this ritual mm-hmm. that, um, you know, they were not privy to up to, you know... 12 hours ago right there was no old ones that and just the the mix of characters we have our super cute Kristen Connolly which I don't I sort of recognize her but I don't watch these sorts of movies so I don't know what she's been in or if she's on TV or whatever the poor man's Josh Hartnett and Chris Hemsworth <laughs> well he is and the stoner is just too stoned I just can't you know okay we have recently had marijuana legalized that's true here in Canada on Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving, that's what people would say. Okay, that's good. That's good. Um, I And I, I'm just waiting until I see way too many of super ultra stoners in the wild. I know a lot of people smoke weed. I have nothing wrong with weed. It's not like I'm completely innocent of smoking weed either. But I really don't like super ultra chronic stoner culture. Yeah, like you don't want... You're fine with someone having a, jo- a, a joint occasionally. You don't want them to have, like, devil sticks and a cat in a hat hat and tie-dye and I shit. grew up with enough of that. You know what I yeah. mean? And I had zillions of friends that were just like that. But to see someone beyond the age of 18 still stuck in that is just depressing, man. It's yeah. fucking depressing. So, And this guy does hit all the stoner. We were talking about it through the beginning of the show while we're watching it yeah and he hits all those stoner memes all of them yeah like all of them i think that you could play 
a drinking game within the first 15 minutes of this movie and die from <laughs> alcohol poisoning because of just everything from having his weird coffee bong to dressing like a grandpa to his weird chaos theories and and conspiracy theories to doing ridiculous crap like not rolling up his window but locking his car door yeah yeah hot box like hot boxing his car in in the middle of the day just just being super crunchy stoner guy yeah and looking like fucking shaggy like he even really kind of looks like uh, a fucking what's his face um that was in the live action scooby-doo he kind of looks like him totally and you could have just swapped him out i can't remember his name but i dig him very much yeah well we just talked about scream he's like fucking 13 in ghosts and all yeah, that 13, yeah why can't I, it doesn't matter but yes the only thing he doesn't do is say zoinks <laughs> that's the only thing he doesn't do he doesn't have scooby stacks but the pop tart thing and it is kind of genuinely funny because it's written so tightly mm-hmm. there's a, a huge points to joss whedon and goddard for the tight writing mm-hmm. it is very tight writing uh, but either way i find it highly fucking annoying so that's a lot of like those are some minuses that i had while sitting in mm-hmm. the theater and still do today yeah but before all that you have some announcements for the Wicked Library, right? Yeah, speaking of failure. Oh, my This God. is one spot where I don't fail. And oh, okay. You turned that around. I <laughs> yeah. was like, hey, hang on a second here. <laughs> some of my favorite podcasts, of course, including our own Dead Air, which you are listening to verily, and my husband's show, Bond Torture Cast, of course, Darling Show, and Murder Was the Case with Lee Meller out of Toronto, another of my most favorite podcasts. And, of course, This Is Horror from the UK, now back in the UK. Uh, wonderful show. One of my favorite one that I support on Patreon. I also support Murder's a Case, and I support Brian Torture Cast by marrying the host, I suppose. That's the most support you can give any support. podcaster. Yes. <laughs> Another one who doesn't have anyone I married, and I don't support them on Patreon, but I do support them by pumping their show as much as i can and listening and enjoying some of their programming changes and of course submitting stories anyone that is in the know knows i'm talking about the wicked library and the wicked library for the halloween special i'm blessed to be able to be a part of again this year so i can spoil it a little tiny bit right now because halloween is coming on you should be listening to this post halloween and Go tune into the Wicked Library and listen to all the great stories. There's a lot of short stories this year. Some read by the Crypt Keeper himself, Nelson W. Piles. Or not the Crypt Keeper, the librarian. The librarian. Who I adore. And a story of mine. And it is read by fellow Canadian David Cummings, Mm -hmm. who you may know as the host and creator of the No Sleep Podcast. He is a Canadian. He also got his start in show business as the baby face in the sun in Teletubbies, apparently, which I think is the (laughs) coolest claim to fame ever in the planet. Uh, If you are a stoner, much like our friend Shaggy, Marty, from this film, you may have watched some Teletubbies, or if you have young kids, I suppose. Um, (laughs) It's more useful for stone people, but... Uh, yeah, he'll be reading my story, which is fucking awesome. I haven't heard it yet, so I am so fucking excited. And by this point, I'll probably still be pumping it, and you'll see it in my social medias. And if you're not on the social media, you just listen to our show, and you live on a cave in Mars, somehow listen to the Wicked Library. I'm very fucking excited. And with other shows, too, Bind Torture Cast covered uh, Hell House. They've covered a couple movies over this Halloween month, not 
too terribly Halloween-y, but I'd have to say that Hell House, as far as a found footage Halloween horror film, we watched the second one, Hell House LLC, Abaddon Hotel, and our Abaddon Hotel. And we watched the first one as well. Fuck, I love that movie. I love that those two movies together as a whole. I fucking love them. So yeah, lots to tune into, especially The Wicked Library. My story staked is not what it seems. So I hope mm. everyone enjoys that. I've actually had the, the, the opportunity to read Staked already. So I'm excited to uh, listen to that so I can hear somebody else read it. Somebody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Um, just to let you guys know, um, this is going to be a couple of weeks out. But if you go to spotterpictures.net, I do have a, a review spoiler free. Not that at the point it will really matter that much because most people would have seen it. But spoiler-free review of the 2018 Halloween uh, film that everyone's been talking about for seems like eight years, but just pretty pretty much a solid year of I've been, I've been talking about it for eight years. I've been thinking about it for eight years, dreaming about it for eight years. I love Michael Myers. I love Michael Myers, too, and I, I, I admit I like him a little more now. Oh. I, I like him a little more now. It was it, in, in the unholy trinity of slashers of Freddy, Jason, and, and Michael Myers, always from vying for the number one spot, always jump between Jason and Freddy. And Michael Myers, is all with all due respect, was never really ever going to become my favorite slasher, even though Halloween is the undisputed masterpiece and one of my personal favorite films of all time, not just slasher films. Uh, and it also has one of the best posters ever made for a horror film. I keep thinking about getting that tattooed on my body. One day. One day. That would be a really good tattoo, and especially fitting to you. Yeah. Our listener, Gary, had asked if we're going to discuss it. I haven't seen it yet. I've yeah. read Wes's article, of course, mm. which I'm thankful that it's spoiler-free. Uh, there was uh, like just me being so attuned to not letting things spoil, but not bitching about things being spoilery and not like trying to avoid social media or anything i just try and avert my eyes at mm-hmm. opportune moments i skipped two paragraphs and i'm like what am i doing as Wes? of course it's not going to spoil this movie for me yeah right so. i only mention things that are either clearly visible in the trailer or um how i feel because i feel that's more important I, if you want a a case-by-case scene-by-scene breakdown that is that was never really what i ever did in my written reviews it's all how i feel and how things are conveyed to me as i'm watching a movie and i have and you know basically what i said to lydia what i wrote in the article uh, is just they really just stripped it all back down and the things you know we talked when we were doing our commentary tracks about how they're always trying to hang stuff on jason voorhees that he can't support because it's not a complicated story. Yeah. With Michael Myers, as much as, you know, I love Halloween 2, and even though the, those films have uh, all have something really to offer that I really like, really, um, the, the extra shit, the cursing and the family lineage and all of this stuff always detracted to what Michael Myers was to me, which was just the shape, inscrutable vessel of evil. With the blackest eyes. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. The devil's eyes, you say. Yeah. 
I see I, you wearing a Michael Myers shirt, which is a rare, a rare treat. I am, and it's funny. I didn't wear this to the movies yesterday. <laughs> well, of course not. That'd be like wearing the band's shirt to the band's show, which always just makes me think this is weird. I definitely do that. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't do that. I try to I patron Santa Plague's shows. So I yeah, yeah, you gotta let them know that you're that you're in there. And also, like, I try to make sure that it's the oldest version of the band shirts that I have, so oh, people yeah. know. People know. This is my first radio rodeo. This is not even my second. Mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. depends, but um, yeah. So so I, I I really really enjoyed the film, and I think that it, you know you can enjoy it and still like all the other films. But if you, like I am comfortable with Halloween 1978, Halloween 40 years later, fucking weird title. Like I was thinking, I was like, there's now three movies in that entire franchise called Halloween, just called Halloween, just called yeah. Halloween. It's a, it's a, it's a little bit confusing. And I saw with the credits for this movie, they've mix-mashed credits in um, on the, not cinema clock, but on the uh, Cineplex site, there are credits that don't belong to this iteration of Halloween. It belongs to the Rob Zombie one. Jesus. So it is kind of mixed up. <laughs> it's it's fun. They don't know what they're talking about. I, yeah. They get a pass. They're not, maybe not horror fans. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go see it eventually. We're sort of planning on waiting for the crowds to die down a little yeah, bit. That and might around be a good here, idea. There's some quieter theaters. So we might luck out. Uh, you know, if we if we don't get the time, because we're both fairly busy lately, mm-hmm. maybe we won't. But if we get in before our the next time we record, maybe we'll talk a little. But in the meantime, I thoroughly enjoyed your article. So everyone should go and check out Thank you. some of our printed words. Because it's not just all blah 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 yeah sometimes sometimes i write some stuff and uh there's like man like john carpenter's score is so great it's up on Bandcamp for anyone that's an audiophile mm-hmm. uh, it is available already which i thought was hasty but hey why not I didn't, it's this I, day and age i listened to the the main theme before i watched the film but i didn't listen to any other tracks because i was like i'm not gonna have context for what any of these tracks are yeah. there's something that john carpenter does or maybe it was his son but uh, but where there is this fucking sound in the theme song that sounds almost like a klaxon. Okay. And and I was going to give you points for using the allusion to klaxon sound and air raid sirens in your article. So yeah, this is where this comes from. This is yeah. where this comes from because when the theme comes and when Michael Myers shows up in only certain scenes. It goes like... So it's like we're getting some pyramid head vibes here. Real, pure, evil, unexplainable. And I was listening to it and I was like, I listened, I was listening to it on the way over here because I'm a nerd and I was like, I can't figure out how they're doing that sound because it's not, it's not that siren, but it sounds like they're either trying to duplicate it with a keyboard very low or with guitars. I or a didgeridoo. A didgeridoo. Because nothing more terrifying than a diddgeridoo. Yeah, but like you can feel the menace. The didgeridoo. It's with a didgeridoo. Anyway, that's, right. all, that's all I have to really say about Halloween. Read the article if you like. And uh, yeah. And check out the Wicked Library uh, for their Halloween issue so you can listen to someone read you. Because who's got time to read anymore? Uh, read you steak. Staked. Steak to excuse me. I got Fine. I got hungry there for a second. That's okay. I'm I'm pretty sure that in the show it's gonna be just called steak, but we'll find out. We'll fucking find out. And they have artistic license as editors to do that. Mm. So meh. Who am I? Just some hack. <laughs> I can tell you you are the brilliant person that can answer this only question of what's this fucking movie even about? 
anyways, Lydia. It is about everything, and that is how it always has been. Wow. It is about their eternal slumber and appeasing the gods below. That's what it's about. Or it's about five teens getting ready for a weekend romp at the cabin in the woods. Go back to your 40, ma'am. It's party. <laughs> exactly. That's what it's about. It's it's about both of those things, uh, amazingly. And you, the movie starts out in the complex. And upon first viewing, it was just like, what is this fucking small talk? Why am I watching this? You think you're watching like Mad Men or something like that. Watching Mad Men. But at least like it's well written. So it's intriguing. And these two characters are with us for the rest of the show which is something you might not understand when you first watch it and i really enjoyed that there's a few things I, upon this is my maybe fifth viewing of this film i really oh, okay. enjoy those little things where you're doubting where this movie is going and i remember very clearly my thoughts when things happened like the opening scene in the complex they could be talking about fucking anything now being in the know it's even funnier, actually. But not funny, haha, funny. Not funny like Pop-Tarts funny. <laughs> I knew from the opening scene generally what this film was about. I knew that it was about people um, running an experiment. The purpose of the experiment was not what I was aware of okay, whatsoever. Cool. At least there was something. Yeah, there was there was something. And and I think even the, the trailers, some of the trailers alluded to... I did not watch any trailers going into this, into the theater. Mm -hmm. I stopped people before they're saying things like, it's funny, (laughs) or you'll really like it. It's got something for everyone. If you're a horror Mm -hmm. fan, you will like things about this. Do people come to you uh, not really knowing you? Because I would never try to sell you on anything with how funny it is. Well, this is like the four people I talk to. Yeah, it's true. But I'm just saying, like, as a horror fan, when when, uh, the normals, the normies, are are watching their 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 uh, motion pictures with some bloods and guts in it. Um, do they come to you very excited because they feel that they can talk to you on some level now? And and then when they do, when the things come out of their mouth, they're just like, it's so funny. And sometimes, and, and more so. Uh, in previous years, I find in the past five years or so, people because we have genre splitting going on in every aspect of our lives, you know, there's so many more genres of music people complain. There's so many more genres in film. People sort of understand the more genres there are, the more dialed in people can get. So when they understand that somebody likes horror, they're not going to just be like, oh my God, I totally saw this zombie movie. And they were like at this club and there was like guys with dreads. It was so funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like people seem to know a little better now. Um, oh, are you? Do you prefer like things like Silence of the Lambs, or do you like like High Tension and Saw, or do you like like old horror? Do you like the classics? Are you a mm-hmm. Hammer Horror fan? Like even the the general audience seems to understand that there are many different levels to horror. So I don't get that as much anymore. Mm-hmm. I get um, by and large from people from work. If anything is horror, people will ask me if I've seen it. The the uh, the, the the recent adaptation of Shirley Jackson's uh, oh. Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. That, that's what I've gotten a lot lately. Is people really want to know? Yeah, if people I've don't seen really. That. I have a government job, and uh, I'm recently a professor. So the uh, my one work we talk about fonts a lot. Fonts, yeah. Yeah, and at the other job, I we tend to talk about fonts 
here and there. So you're really into the font conversation. Pretty much. We talk about <laughs> fonts. That's about it. Once in a while, uh, music or horror does creep in, but generally just don't really talk (laughs) i got a lot of water cooler talk uh, in my job so yeah people are always kind of curious um but uh anyways the point being is is that uh it was these things that would just continually agitate me about making me not want to go see this and or or even rent it or whatever the fuck Um, i was really excited though like okay so we got whatever complex beginning the title screen hits you in the face and then you have some teens uh, going to a cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. You got uh, geeky, uh, the usual suspects. You got some mm-hmm. perky blonde, some doubtful brainy girl, uh, a brainy sporty guy, and mm-hmm. a sporty sporty guy, yeah. and a stoner. That's all you need, right? They're in a van. They're in like a Winnebago. Even better. Yeah. Yeah. They don't pick up a hitchhiker, but they do encounter someone to tell them that this place has a death curse basically he's not as fun as ralph he doesn't tell them there's a death curse but if they had known his name was mordecai the harbinger (laughs) or morty if you want to get fun but mordecai if they would have known his name they would have had a a little bit better reaction to this guy i think Mm -hmm. well even but even then he doesn't really come across as as prophetic to me he really comes across as just more of He's an asshole. He's just an asshole. Like he calls people, he calls the, the the women whores, and he he doesn't really say much anything other than the fact that oh that that Buckner house, eh? Uh, yeah, a lot of people gone through there. Like there's nothing. He's like the next time we hear that character, he's like sermonizing. I know, which is crazy. And I guess he's been told maybe to dial it down with the normies. Just dial it down, Mordecai. When we get you on the speakerphone, you can see what you want. Yeah. Which is hilarious. I would also like it too if if the second that they left his character and the next time we saw him, he's just like totally like sitting there reading like the Financial Times or something. He's like, pardon me. And like he, he's the New Yorker is like, petting as Yorkie? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's actually like a really specific. He's just an actor, right? And, and, they, Takes the chewing tobacco out of his mouth, stuffs it in a pipe, and lights it up. Yeah, 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 yeah or something like Calms that. Calms right down. When we're first introduced to um, Kurt and Jules and fucking everybody else, one thing that I will say is that they do, in their dialogue, break a lot of stereotypes to let you know that they are not coming default as the jock, the whore, the nerd, the virgin, the stoner. The only one that is... From the start, the stoner, but not the stoner that they need, uh, just a stoner, is um, was it Marty? Marty, yeah. So Marty is the only one that has come default cartoon character stoner. Yeah, the other ones sort of cross genres here and there. Not genres, but like tropes. And even the virgin, when they allude to her being a virgin, she's like, well, it's not my first time. Like, so yeah. she's not, maybe not a virgin. No. The, um, one of the jocks is there on a scholarship. He's yeah. on an academic scholarship. He's not a brain dead jock. Yeah. The more brainy of the others is there on a fucking football scholarship. Yeah. So they do cross and weave. Yeah. Yeah, and they're talking about and they're they're talking about um, books and stuff like that, and, and intelligently, and and even alluding to the fact like, oh, you know, he hasn't memorized this book yet, so you might actually be able to uh, make him think that you're insightful or some shit. Now they do want to like drink and party and have sex, but I mean, who the fuck doesn't want to do that? Ex- except for you know, 
Me and Marty. You and Marty. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Marty. Like, I mean, they, they go to the fucking cabin, and one of them starts dancing. They put on music and dance. And, I, like, I, that is another spot where I'm just like, fuck, I hate horror movies like this. I fucking hate them. Yeah. yeah. But. I, was, I couldn't help but think about the uh, Friday the 13th remake. There's, like, a very extended drunk blonde girl dancing in the cabin scene where I, I was like, I bet you this is a direct reference to this fucking shit. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Or too many Friday 13th movies where people put on music and start dancing. Or even yeah. Evil Dead. Our friend. Evil Dead. The Evil Dead. The Evil Dead, Wes. The Evil Dead. The Evil Dead with the cabin that looks exactly like this cabin from Cabin in the Woods. Not only does it look exactly like this cabin, but you could... I would love to watch these two scenes side to side. The like the camera does pull back a little bit, but it doesn't pull back the way it doesn't evil dead with that ominous like what's the cabin? True. But um, you're right, it is only missing the swing on the porch. It they look the same dimensions, they look the same size, the same amount the of weathered wood. Yeah. And that weird um slope, you know how like the evil dead cabin yeah. has almost looks like the weight of having leaves and debris on it for so long and then that holding moisture, it almost looks like the roof is on the verge of collapsing it's on itself. It's rotten out a little bit. Yeah. And I think even the way that the trees are arranged around the, the clearing where the cabin is is similar to the Evil Dead. They yeah. nailed that. And that, you know, from the beginning to that point, like in between here and seeing the cabin, we have had the eagle moment, which yeah. I'll touch on in a minute. But... Um, when they unveil the cabin itself, my little horror heart just rose three sizes. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I will say is the the um, set decoration and uh, the art decoration for this film is great. As I love I love a lot of the sequences and shit like that. Um, even the cinematography, another Evil Dead uh, trope that happens is you could line up that scene where in the Evil Dead, the original, they're all eating dinner and the fucking basement uh, latch opens up. There's almost an identical scene and then they all gather around it to, um, like, dip, playing truth or dare, like, to to goad um, someone to go down into that cabin. That sequence, I was like, well, this is fucking Evil Dead right now. And it's even in the way that Dana says cellar door is wonderful to me from a literary point of view mm. because... There is a bit of mystique around the words themselves, cellar door. Mm -hmm. And J.R. Tolkien was one who pointed it out most famously by saying, most English-speaking people will admit that cellar door is beautiful, especially if dissociated from its sense and from its spelling. More beautiful than, say, sky, and far more beautiful than beautiful. Well, then, in Welsh, for me, cellar doors are extraordinarily frequent, and moving to the higher dimension, the words in which there is pleasure in the contemplation of the association of form and sense are abundant. So, just the sense that it is the cellar door. It is a beautiful-sounding word. It's an intriguing-sounding word. It rolls off anybody's tongue, probably in any accent, and it is this entrance to the underworld. And we know that we're going to go dark here mm -hmm. just by, if you want to put the semantics back into it, by what a cellar door is and represents. Or it is just a beautiful term. And they, they let the silence of that moment be the podium for that term, cellar door. So whether you know the etymology of the celebration of that phrase, 
or not, it is a beautiful moment. That cellar door pops open. There's a huge silence. Everyone's staring. And she says, the cellar door. And it's silence again for a few beats and just a beautiful, beautiful fucking scene. And up to this point with the uh, difference of the the pre-credit sequence, looking at the credits themselves, and then our uh, eagle moment. Yeah. This is... This is this is just a horror movie. This is and, a died in the wool horror movie. Yeah, and 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 people, if you, if this was just the movie, people would say, well, this is just an Evil Dead ripoff. And I'm like, yeah, well, probably. But there's a lot of movies that are a lot of ripoffs of other fucking movies. I love Evil Dead ripoffs myself. Yeah. I mean, especially ones called The Cabin in the Woods. West. True, especially um, what they manage to summon. What they manage to summon, and the fact that. In, in within moments we're going to be wishing oh man if you've seen it before i want the fucking choose your own adventure version of this movie i want them to choose something different in the cellar but let's just get back to the eagle really quick right we've already seen the eagle by this point so if you haven't forgotten the evil because you're so entranced by the cellar door mm. you're kind of scratching your head i like at first my first viewing i was like I wish my mom was here to watch this. She was still alive at the time, and she did watch it eventually. She did enjoy it very much. She enjoyed this movie quite a bit, actually. This and 13 Ghosts, she likes that sort of, like, here's your huge cadre of representations of horror. Mm -hmm. She liked that a lot. Um, But she also likes sci-fi way more than I do. I am Mm -hmm. not a sci-fi fan, necessarily. Uh, Cube is a sci-fi sort of thing that I like, that sci-fi horror I can appreciate. But I was worried here in a little bit, like, where are we going? Because I didn't know. I wasn't privy to how this story unfolds. But when the eagle is soaring through this wonderful wilderness, because we're driving through what looks like the Canadian Idol. It was filmed in Vancouver, so it definitely is. Of huge pine trees, rock cuts, winding roads, just beautiful, a beautiful day in the countryside to head to the cabin. And we see this eagle soaring, screeching eagle majestic majestic and then smash he smashes into this hexagonal lit up led wall that isn't there Mm -hmm. a see-through wall that is something out of lawnmower man yeah or even you could imagine does this what the exterior of the cube looks like yeah or something like that this is we're getting in truman show territory is this why people said it was so funny Maybe Truman Show, Star Trek. We've seen a lot of holographic projection type yeah. things, and yeah, when I saw this sequence, I said, "Okay, well, it's the entire air. It's not. It's not even so much that the the cabin has got a fucking facility underneath it. It is that they're completely enclosed, perfectly inside a simulation. There is no. They're no longer outdoors." Like it's 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 almost like um, those sequences. One of the Resident Evil sequels, one of them, where like there's entire cityscapes that are basically just entire enclosed domes for experiments. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's what I was worried about. But you could be lulled into what we get to next because they do venture down in the cellar. Because this is a horror movie, they're not going to be like, oh, close that cellar door. It's getting drafty. Let's get back to dancing alone and drinking, making out with taxidermied wolf heads. Sucking on the tongue. Which is a very artful scene. As much as I am just repulsed by that sort of behavior in film for the most part, uh, when it's done right, I really do enjoy the scene because it is uh, artfully done. True. And Jules, by the way, is, is we, get, we get some information that 
her blonde hair dye has seeped into her brain and this is all very deliberate and she's going to be acting a certain way as a ditzy blonde because she was sort of a reluctant blonde when we met her she had just dyed her hair blonde it's not like yeah. she was like check out my blonde hair i'm a bimbo she was a studious friendly gregarious woman mm-hmm. who was testing out blonde hair that's yeah. all but yeah it is going to turn her into the dumb blonde because yeah. of its chemical composition but now we descend into the basement. And what's in the basement, Lydia? Everything, man. Every fucking thing. My choose-your-own-adventure. Do you want to take a puzzle box and hang out with Fornicus, the Lord of Bondage and Pain? <laughs> Do you want to open up that music box and summon a ballerina? With a teeth face. A teeth face. She does have this. It's a beyond vagina dentata, which is wonderful. And I, I, she is the character I dislike the most, but because she has like nothing to her, I feel. But then, if I want to get psychosexual, like the 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 fear of men isn't that a little tiny ballerina has a face of teeth. It's a vagina dentata. So how does a little tiny ballerina tie into vagina dentata? Obviously, VC Andrews. So (laughs) they find a locket. Fuck knows what the locket means. I don't know. I want to know. I Do you want to know? I, I'm guessing the locket is ghost. That's what I would I would, ah. I would guess. Locket yeah. could be ghost. Film strips. Film strips could be... They had a girl stand, like, that seemed to just be like menacing in a gown. I'm guessing exp- uh, footage of, of a special case of a deranged girl from an asylum yeah. that has been brought to this place to research, almost like she's a Sadako-type character. Or masks. Masks. There's masks. There's masks, yeah. There's definitely... And basically everything. They are... It is a room full of... MacGuffins, as Hitchcock said. Yeah. Um, they are things to drive a plot forward. And you have all of these people in a facility, like it's fucking NASA, just watching like the... Which one are they going to pick? They've taken bets on which one they're going to pick, which we're piecing together, if it was your first viewing, that there's different monsters involved because they throw out the names of every fucking monster you can think of mm-hmm. and even some we're not privy to because we get people showing their because they've been betting on this and they've written down what monster they're betting on and they'll show it to somebody and at one point a man says do we even have one of those and he says well zoology said that we did okay and I think I know what creature that is. Yeah. My favorite creature. Your, your favorite so. creature? So yeah, out of all of these fucking one fantastic... And horror movies aside, Cabin in the Woods aside, I fucking love a place like this. You know, I love dusty attics. I love old community museums. I love... You know, everyone should hurry. Run. Don't walk to the Bytown Museum <laughs> and look at their hair wreaths. They only have two. And they have some widow's garb from the turn of the century. I, the turn of the century before the last turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I fucking love that shit, you know? Give me... Uh, if you ever have to clean out an attic or a basement full of like, an old person's things, call me, man. Oh, yeah. I, I I, you're shit. first on the list. I'll say, I know who wants to rummage in this crap. Yeah. Literally. I don't care about mold. I'm fine with it. Dust? I'm fine. I'm yeah. fine. I'll put up with it for that. I don't care what I touch. I'll put my hand in fucking... Nameless goo. That's crazy because what I know about you is you're a, you're a woman that really likes her cleanliness. Oh yeah, dust free everything and antibacterial this and that. But when it comes to satisfying that urge to unravel the unknown, mm-hmm. 
or to just discover interesting things, discover something about somebody's past or even discover a past that isn't even attached to someone I know and maybe discern that. I love that shit. So when they find the diary of Patience Buckner, I'm okay with that. Do you think that um, the Buckners are, what are they, they zombie inbred... Well, they called them something specific because they're not. They're what, yeah, I forget what it was. Like, um, hillbilly, hillbilly, zombie, inbred, like thingamajig. Pain loving. Pain loving. Zombie, hillbilly, rednecks or something. Yeah, rednecks. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, and so they, not to be confused with zombies, as they will be. Yeah, plain zombies are one thing. These guys are something else. Yeah, entirely. so they're between an elephant and elephant seal. Mm-hmm. Lydia. Um, I get it. I get yeah, it. me too. No, um, because I, I would say that... Uh, like, anyway, my point being is like, the Buckner seem to make the most narrative sense if this was just a serious horror movie. Because of all the things that are there, I could... I You know, that you could make a, a, a rational explanation for, let's say, 50% of everything that could technically attack them in the woods that are available to uh, this facility. But there's definitely some things where I'm like, how are you going to fucking explain that? Well, like, there's water, right? There is there's water. There's a lot so of caves. There could be caves. Yeah, there like, could be caves. The robot, though, that's a weird one. Like, what do you think? Like, it comes up from the basement. Comes up from the basement because someone, a mad inventor, went to this cabin to think, yeah, you know what? You could, like, lazily... Because it's always just like, oh, a person who did blank went to the cabin to finish researching, building, investigating, whatever the fuck. And then there's some that don't need explanation, like that one creature that zoology did confirm that they had. (laughs) Like, what the fuck explanation do you want for that? Where'd it come from? Who fucking knows? And why would it kill people? You can only believe it when you see it. That's the thing with some of these. Yeah, that's that's definitely very Where did true. Fornicus, a lord of bondage and pain, come from? Well, because if that is our allegory for Pinhead, yeah. the puzzle box could really come from... And people seek out the puzzle box. And you have to go somewhere like a cabin in the woods to deal with it. Yeah, fucking Fornicus, man. Fornicus. I like him. I like him, yeah. too. He's got a good look about him. He's yes. tall. Quiet, got the got very black eyes. So he does, he does. Yeah. So this is what we're at, and Dana is going to be the one to get the diary of uh, one of the Buckners. Patience Buckner, the the young daughter. It seems the mother is long gone. She had her belly cut open and stuffed with hot coals. If you yeah. recall, um, she's telling all of the story in the diary. How basically they are some sort of cultish pain freak murderous fucking redneck family yeah it almost sounds as though they are cenobites without the magic yeah right okay yeah, yeah. just pain pain just pain. Pain, pain killing 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 yeah she hasn't killed anyone yet as of the writing of this diary but her brothers have she suspects and one of her brothers one of her brothers kills and then gets the husband bulge <laughs> The husband bulge, Wes. The husband bulge. And she knows nothing of that. But she does know that he's killed because he's been in the black room. Like, this is all just, like, you can piece it together while she's reading it out. She's reading the the memoir of a girl that was in a family that was a murderous cult, basically. And she was sort of on the edge of becoming one of them herself. 
terrifying crap. So of course, some of them are like, oh, stop reading. And she keeps reading. And then she's like, oh, there's something here in Latin. And I'm like, yes, thank God there's something there in Latin. But Marty, our voice of reason, no matter how stoned he is, says don't read the Latin. Yeah. And he keeps hearing whispers. It's like, read it. It's like, what? What's happening? And and he is definitely um, the most aware, even though he's the most stoned. Because there's other things going on in the cabin that don't entirely make a whole lot of sense. Like people acting in ways that he doesn't recognize. These are not strangers to each other. I mean, uh, Marty and Jules knew each other beforehand. Kurt, like they know each other. They party with each other. They're friends with each other. They've known each other for a very long time. Yeah. So for one of them to be acting like an absolute bimbo when she's not and it's not just drinking right Mm -hmm. for somebody to act like a brain dead goon when they're not for somebody to act like a power alpha male when they're not yeah he uh, marty rightfully points out he's like he's a sociology major like he's here on a full scholarship like he is not a, a dude bro alpha male letterman jacket beer-swilling buffoon. Yeah, so he notices these things. He notices the voices. He notices that they shouldn't read the Latin, but of course they read the Latin. (laughs) Of course they read the Latin. And that's when we get some more very The Evil Dead, Mm -hmm. zombie movie, um, resurrection movie sort of things, conjuring movies. Yeah. The arm, the uh, zombie arm, the undead, reaching up through the ground from their graves to come at whoever has awoken them from their slumber. Yeah. Let me ask you this. What do you think of the Buckners? Just like their whole their whole scene. What do you think? Yeah, about I that? like their scene. I like their look. I, I, I like them. I mean, I would if you deleted the eagle, if you deleted the voices, if you deleted the fact that there is a crowd of probably 200 people underground cheering because somebody won the pool, you know, you delete the complex, delete all of that. I like the movie The Buckners. And I, I've said this before about this movie that not only do I want to choose your own adventure of every all the possibilities that they could have unleashed from going in the basement, is I wouldn't mind just The Buckners. But I guess it's maybe Hatchet. I don't know. Yeah, but... Well, I was going to say, yeah, you have a point with the Hatchet thing, but it's nice to have a family. Um... Uh, Patience has a really cool look about her, and you're not going to get that. They have a cool story. They have a cool story, and I'm really feeling the bear trap. I forgot all about the bear trap, and I and I kept thinking, I was like, man, you could make like a fucking fighting game character with like that type of thing. I like like the creative ways that this guy uses it, like throwing it to catch people and pulling them backwards and shit like that. Just clocking them with it. Yeah. 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 Strangling them with it. There's a lot you can do with the bear trap. Yeah, I know. And one of the only things that I will say is that one of those guys gets a bear trap in the back and manages to pull it off. And I mean, I wouldn't say he's quote unquote fine. There's some blood there, but I'm like, Oh my God, like how the fuck are you going to get that off yourself? a bear trap like caught in the flesh in your back he could have tore out that chunk of flesh that's what i would do because i'm not even i i've been around bear traps i know how to set a bear trap but mm-hmm. i don't know about getting one off me man they're hard and they're i'm not very strong yeah yeah i don't i would i don't know if i would be able to pry that off of me exactly You'd just take that chunk of flesh out it would probably be less painful 
and a lot we would exert less energy that you could use yeah, getting away from the fucking buckners because they're fairly relentless and they are pretty much unstoppable they're beyond unstoppable actually mm-hmm. uh yeah i like them and i like what happens when you chop them up in itty bitty pieces too yeah because it's almost a return of the living dead mentality mm-hmm. like destroying the brain doesn't do anything to them they can still function they can still attack if they have arms and teeth and legs they can still come after you and even if they're just severed arms they're still gonna try to do their thing you know which i really really do like um so yeah i said people cheering underground the complex is still happening there's still the two storylines going on here until they converge Mm -hmm. where there is people watching them do what they're doing Mm -hmm. and observing their every move downstairs which you know if you really have a a problem with big brother they have a real complex about that that could be that could count as scary to you if you're worried about the eye in the sky especially the um the callousness that is perceived especially you have like a newcomer like a new like military guard type guy that's sort of like shown up to to oversee everything or like to like help them out as his backup i'm not entirely clear what his job is he seems to be in some sort of like Security. Security or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, um, I know that uh, Amy Ackard's character is, is is trying to like, oh, pretty crazy, right? And uh, what do you think about this? Because he doesn't want to participate in the betting. He thinks it's kind of ghoulish. It's gallows humor, right? Like this It is-, is gallows humor, but he is an inch away from being like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? But at the end of the day, he does get it because it's explained to him that this needs to happen so the ritual can be completed. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we know for a fact that there are other facilities all over the all over the world. Japan specifically. Japan specifically. Japan seems to be the has like their perfect record. Every other of the facilities have fallen all over the world. They they failed to do what they needed to do. Uh, Japan's still going strong. This this facility, this cabin in the woods facility, is number two. Second only to Japan, which has a perfect uh, clearance. So they sort of rely on Japan when, Mm. you know, you can see them all in competition, but they would like it for Japan to win because then they can just sort of have fun with it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Japan eventually doesn't do very well. So it is really all up to this facility, which puts the pressure on. But at this point, the pressure isn't really on. The Buckners are creeping out of their graves. Mm. The kids are getting drunk and acting weird. And then they sort of go their separate ways because sex. Yeah. You always want to verb the adjective noun when you're in the woods, Lids. Guess so. Even though it's a little cold. Well, we can fix that. You want to feed the birds when you're in the woods? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Feed the birds, the slippery worm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what they head off to do. So you got the jo- the jock and the blonde now. That's what they are now. They're the athlete yeah. and the blonde. Yeah. Um, the whore. Yeah. They the the, the bimbo. She. Uh, well, they're dating, so this doesn't make her a whore. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Although she is coming on to everyone at the party. Which is not like her. It's the hair dye, right? It's so, the hair dye, so we can excuse it. So I really do enjoy this scene because it ruins one of my least favorite horror tropes is the people getting it on. Teens getting it on, fucking in the woods. Uh, it's usually tiresome, especially if it goes on more than like 30 seconds or isn't interspersed with the killer point of view because mm. I like the killer point of view kind mm. of ruining that for everybody. But this gets ruined by a whole different killer point of view which is on gigantic screens in surround sound underground witnessed by a crowd of 200 people that are almost breathlessly waiting 
for the nakedity and the bone zone. Definitely the bone zone, but I mean, she doesn't want to do it because for rational reasons, it's cold, it's dark, you know, whatever. And then they start cranking up the temperature and the outside and bathing them in moonlight and telling them that's romantic and releasing pheromones. Releasing pheromones, which looks sort of just like fog and gases, you know, Mm. swamp gas and it's atmospheric. So at the same time, they're creating this like almost perfect horror thing where I would even watch this sex scene in a normal horror movie, maybe, because it looks fucking cool. It's got the moonlight and the fog and the moss and the trees and the breeze and oh yeah, it's spooky. Mm Mm-hmm. Or sexy. Or sexy or spooky or whatever. Spooky. We do get some boobs. That's, that's always that's always a thing. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Anyway, the... the not for long. That's not, the great part. Not, is for, that long not for long. Because the Buckners are going to show up. Or at least one of them. She's going to get uh, knifed right in the hand. Knifed in the hand and then sawed in half right in front of her boyfriend. Yeah. It's yeah. great. They don't really show it, but we know what happened. And the, yeah. those cross-cut saws that take two people, you see them in like logger videos on Sesame Street. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they take one of those to her. Yeah. <laughs> they she does not do. make it. She doesn't make it, uh, but Chris Hemsworth, he's going to just run for his life. Yeah. Now, he is going to take some damage and shit like that, and then they're going to make it back to the cabin. And this is where you start seeing how they're influencing everything, including bad decisions. Because initially, um, once that everyone kind of realizes what the fuck's going on and the fact that they're all in serious fucking danger because they have like zombie buckners everywhere and they're buying into this mythology. This is what I like about the, this film, honestly, is I like the idea that they're still trying to be like, it's because you read from that book and I'm still reading that book and, and they're all really interested in like the buckners lore when it's just like, it's totally fucking made up. Yeah, is this, this is this story. anything? Who knows where they? And all it takes, like at that point, they're so steeped in this little mythology. Is that uh, when Marty's like, there was a young girl out there and she had one arm. They're like, oh my god, it's Patience Buckner. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah is great because we're in on the joke. But then again, it is a fucking really tantalizing joke. So I would like to see the Buckners yeah. cabin in the woods. Yeah, it would really be uh, interesting, especially since like we going along with it. I mean, we always know that watching a movie, we're watching fiction, but in this case, we're watching characters who are going to learn that the book is irrelevant. It doesn't fucking, it doesn't matter. They could have, if they picked up the conch, they would have the fucking merman. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. And at this point, they decide to all sit together, barricade themselves, and fend off this fucking crazed zombie family that's relentlessly attacking them. Yeah, it's pretty harrowing stuff. And, and I will say that um, when people start dying in this movie, they drop pretty quick. They because- do drop pretty quick. But then we have Mission Control underneath being like, oh, you're going to stick together? I don't think so. They pump some fucking brain scramble gas through mm-hmm. a vent. And right away somebody says, okay, wait, no, that's a bad idea. This isn't right. We should all split up. And then the, the, they're like, yeah, it's right. Yeah, we should split up. You know, not making any fucking sense whatsoever. They each go to their rooms. The rooms get locked. This is where, like, Marty finds a camera in his room. Yeah, because he's, al- he's already been like, I hear voices. Someone's watching us. It's the puppeteers, which you could pass off as conspiracy theorist stoner talk. But he finds a camera. So he's figuring this out. And later on, there's, like, a, a cute little scene that I had missed up until this viewing where... One of them has a knife that they've just gotten away from one of the zombie creatures that they've just defeated. And instead of hanging on to that weapon, because there's more out there in the woods, 
they dropped the knife. Yeah. But it's because it was electrified by the people upstairs that were just like, oh, no, you don't. Yeah, it's like you don't want to have a weapon or anything like that. It's a nice little touch to 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 show you where some of because what's the biggest complaint? Listen, I just spent a fucking time in a theater with normals watching Halloween, and one thing that I will say is people who are watching horror, and I genuinely feel it's you're sitting in a, in a movie in a horror movie and you're watching it and you're getting scared and so you start yelling basically at the tv and trying to to, to don't go it, in there yeah don't, don't go in there that. oh my like, god oh they're why so stupid the they're night? so stupid why is he acting like this why is he doing this and so people are constantly i, like, I, I even do that yeah. yeah so people are um and and people do that for a myriad of reasons i've always believed that it's like the more uncomfortable the more normie a person is the more likely i find that they do that they try to they try to rip plot the, the, like every character decision apart um, because they're uncomfortable and because they are trying to like, well, that would never happen to me because I, see, I know, I know. But I was like, yeah, but you're sitting here watching a horror movie. You're not allowing characters to make any sort of rational decisions. So what I will say what this movie does is this movie attempts to explain why people run upstairs instead of running downstairs, why people split up when they should stay together. Why don't people barricade things properly? Why don't people hold on to the most deadly and uh, accessible weapons that they can why do people drop why do they slip why do they do all the weird things that they do that inevitably get them killed um why would they why would you go for a walk in the middle of the 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 woods i will say that uh, marty going for a walk to go take a leak that's me every time like i pee outside and i'm just like convinced that i'm going to die there's a great little shot in this film that i didn't notice the first time but in the second time and i was going to lean over and be like you know what i like this fucking shot you can see patience buckner coming way far while he's peeing while he's peeing way far in the background and i and i was like all right that's a good shot it's just a good shot like you you gotta call it when you see it right it really is it really is i agree i like that scene quite a bit too i like a kirk fucking clothesline well the thing i like the most about that patient bugner scene is that these monsters aren't the monsters aren't being controlled The monsters themselves are simply monsters. All of them. They all have a mind of their own, a will of their own. They are not controlled by the people downstairs. They are the chaos in here. Mm -hmm. Um, When she's walking behind him, she kind of... He he hears something or notices it or turns around just because he's peeing alone in the woods, which is you kind of kind of look around when you're fucking peeing alone in the woods. Um, She's walking up behind him. We can see him, see her in the moonlight. But then she looks like she doesn't really duck away to hide from him. She just happens under a shadow when he turns around. She's still coming at him because as soon as he turns around, you see her still walking towards him. And I really like that where she's not worried about hiding. She's not part of this gag. She's not in on what they're doing and mission control mm-hmm. she's simply a fucking death craze zombie she is and we'll we'll learn we'll uh, learn soon enough that the the facility has no fucking control over these things whatsoever absolutely none um so you um you get yourself into a situation where these these where these occurrences are happening now they even will explain that there needs to be a certain amount of free will that occurs during these testing these experiments whatever the fuck they are these rituals is is what i'm looking for so they can only put the people in the trap and control it to a certain degree but at the end of the day 
the humans have to make the mistakes themselves. They have to cross their fingers that the horror dies first. Mm-hmm. And from then on, it's sort of... Well, yeah, it's all about free will and whatever happens, happens. It's sort of like if the horror doesn't die first, then it's game over. Mm-hmm. But because the horror died first, it's game on. Then they have to still step back and, yeah, let these people decide to die, basically. Yeah. And and so there's there's a certain amount of control yet not control that they have in this um, in this ritual, which does make it a little interesting. And I will say that um, it's a cool idea. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't want people to think that I just like shit all over the movie or anything like that. Like I feel like I'm being pretty fair, but oh, you know, you're I, totally being fair. I, I just don't think that. I just think for me, um, the concept could have been pitched in such a way where you didn't have to. I don't know, shit on films that, you know, I'm sure that Mr. Whedon has never even seen. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, so, and, and I was like, you're not God's gifts to horror and don't act that way. That's ridiculous. The true God's gifts to horror don't act like the God's gifts to horror. So, well, I don't know why. Anyway, um, so uh, in, in, this, in, in, in this sequence, I am really uh, happy with like how the Buckners look. It's a cool, it's cool lore. Um, the 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 kills are starting to come, and but you think, uh oh, Marty's gonna pull the pull the wool over everyone's eyes because he's figured it out. And Not he, for long, because here comes one of the zombies to the rescue. That's how they put it from downstairs. Because there's <laughs> yeah. nothing they can really do about they were it gonna, if he figures it out. They were gonna pump that room full of Thorazine, uh, Thorazine yeah. and just t- fucking knock him out. And like, well, that's that. You're, yeah. you're fucking gone. And then, then he gets dragged off, and he gets. Well, we get a spout of blood. Yeah, I guess that's it. Dragged into the forest. Dragged yep. into the forest. I suppose. So it's Marty that's it. down, and we sort of have confirmation that he's dead in a way because they have underground these cutouts that blood seeps through, sort of like in Blade or something. It is like Blade. Yeah, where the the blood has to go through these sigils, and they had a sigil for the horror, and her blood ended up in it. And they have a sigil for what we find out to be the fool, which is what Marty is, and the blood goes through it. So now we have three left. Mm -hmm. They're sort of wise to this. They got to get out of here. So they all pile in the fucking Winnebago and start barreling down the road. Mm-hmm. This causes panic underground, not because they're trying to escape, but because they had a failsafe for this. Mm-hmm. They had blown the tunnel. There's a mountain pass tunnel they'd come through to get there. And apparently there was supposed to be a rock slide plan. Demolitions wasn't on their game. There's something wrong. There was rewired from upstairs. That's where Marty had come in because he'd found a control panel and started pulling fucking wires out. But... <laughs> He did. They panic, and they have to manually blow this tunnel as the Winnebago's going through it. So it's lucky, in a way, they didn't squash them, because I think that wouldn't have worked for the ritual. I don't think so, either. Mm-hmm. I was actually even... There's a moment in this where I'm like, does this count? Um, and we're getting to that really soon. I will point out that um, before they run to the tunnel, uh, Dana and Holden... Holden's supposed to be like the, the brainy, like mincy, nerdy guy... They end up in the the black basement. This could be the the the, the climax of the Buckner place because this is like the root of the evil. This is where the experiments uh, occurred, if the experiments really existed. Or it could also work for Fornicus. It could work for Fornicus as well. Fornicus. But I will say that that I was like, that's how come I I, I think I was like, yeah, they did. They, I understand in the film the narrative that they created, they really could have done anything, but the Buckners seem to fit the most with the cabin. I mean, 
they had like the photo of the Buckners and there was a diary and things were taking place literally at this cabin. But then again, who knows? Like maybe, it, like you said, it could be Fornicus. They'd be like... Or they come down, there's a huge aquarium built into one wall. Yeah, like like I wonder if they they have like flipping out walls like like where they could change things that are in. You would think so from the cover of the book or the book, the movie. Yeah, you would think so. Or even, um, you know, like because even the painting that Holden sees initially where, where he finds it, that seems like something the Buckners would have. It was basically uh, flaying people and animals and shit like that as a painting on the wall. And I was like, that seems like something that the, it seems like everything is decorated for the Buckners. It just that, that's but like like you said like the, the the poster for the movie does imply that it's almost like a cube facility like you could rotate different things out so who knows but um and yeah and then they end up uh well driving backwards away from the rebel luckily no one was killed but don't you worry don't you fret Kurt's got it going on there was a dirt bike on the back of the Winnebago and when you're watching this film you're like you got the you got the dirt bike. You used the dirt bike. Why? Well, there's also a bloody handprint on the back of the Winnebago. We haven't seen one of the Buckners. Well, that's true. But so, the- yeah, the dirt bike does kind of bolster the jock impression that we have yeah. of our not Josh Hartnett. This, um, <laughs> Chris Hemsworth, um, this, uh, this scene vaguely reminds me of that one scene in Feast where this fucking guy shows up and he's like, I'm the hero. I'm going to fucking save us all. And, I'm going to come with cops and, and choppers and fucking big guns. Yeah. And you know what? He probably would have made that jump. He's made bigger jumps before. But yeah. he is going to fucking go the way of that eagle. He's just going to hit a wall. Right in front of his two friends. It's one thing when the eagle hits the wall because we get to see it. No one else does. They see him hit nothing and fall down into an endless chasm, hit, continuing to hit this hexagonal cla- glass or clear, invisible wall that keeps getting lit up with electricity as he's falling down, which blows their fucking minds. Yeah, as it should. It would almost be, you know, you're like you were seeing the Matrix. Like, it's yeah. fucking crazy. But And that was the moment where I was like, does this count? It seems like... He ran off the edge of the map. He still made a decision that ended in his death, so it counts to me. And somehow his blood flows into the sigil for the athlete. Yeah, I'm not I'm not clear about that blood. Like initially I was like, oh, they must have drains all over the place. How do they have some like reserve scholar blood and some reserve fool blood? It's not their blood, but it's the blood of that type of person. Maybe. And it seeps into the ground and that's good enough cuz that's where it's going anyway. Maybe. I don't know. I don't I don't know either, but it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter cuz it works. Eh but don't. Uh, but now they're just gonna like drive, and they're gonna drive. Holden's like, we're just gonna drive, man. We're just gonna drive. He uh, doesn't really know what the fuck he's doing, but the idea, I guess, is just stay in the Winnebago and you'll be fine. Like, well, yeah, he's gonna. We're gonna drive through the woods until we can't drive anymore, and then we're gonna on foot just walk out of here, which is a good plan, except for that bloody handprint on the side of the Winnebago. True, and it's a good plan, except how fucking far do you think you're gonna drive in the woods on a Winnebago? Like you're gonna get like fucking like ten feet, ten feet, hit an anthill, roll over, <laughs> <laughs> and then it explodes. 
Michael Bay. <laughs> Michael there we Bay. Go. Fix <laughs> that. That'd be great. Uh, the Buckner's just standing on top of it while it burns. That'd be cool. Instead, he gets a fucking scythe through his neck. Oh, man. That's a good shot. I like that it's scene. It's a good shot. It's a good kill. It scares the fucking shit out of our remaining virgin, the last person standing already, which is great. And they do. These kills happen in rapid succession, and we get the blood of the scholar draining into his sigil. So you've got so many elements. You've got this big brother element. You have this mysticism element. You have the great old ones element. You have a classic horror movie of redneck zombies. What more do you need? Well, the 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 the, the Winnebago is going to go into the lake, and uh, those uh, those scenes always freak now me out. Now survival horror. Now it's survival horror. Now it really is that. It's almost like. Uh, uh, Any time that a character they don't they don't pull the taffy on this scene too much. If they did, I'd actually I would I would I would admit this makes me uncomfortable because what stresses me out in horror movies that I I do not like, and I wouldn't consider myself a claustrophobic person. I can handle being in small places and I don't feel trapped or anything like that. But there are moments where I get really creeped out. Um, the newest Blair Witch movie really is a great example of that. Her going headfirst underneath this fucking house and like just in this narrow fucking thing under the ground and like doesn't even look like she can get out woof i don't like that and when i watch like youtube videos of uh cave divers and you see people like just going through these small little things i'm like what are you doing get out of there why is like, well i'm just exploring the cave why why what's in the fucking cave you psychos nothing bats there's a lot of uh tomb raider that probably makes you go oh yeah because i just don't like those super cramped I know, I know many people that really dislike that and are like quite claustrophobic. But I guess being a tree person like yourself, everywhere is a small place. Yeah, it's like I, I, I find like my shower kind of small, so like that makes me no. But like I, but like there's a moment where she's like trapped in the in the Winnebago as it's filling with water. I was like, if they stretch this scene out, I would admit that this scene is actually pretty harrowing. But um, they don't, and also they intersperse this with everyone in the basement. Starting to celebrate yeah. because we're down to our final girl. And the death of the final girl, optional. Optional. So they won. The great old ones will slumber. They've accepted their sacrifices. It's win-win. Except for Japan, who lost. Because oh, they turned yeah. their ghost into a frog. The fucking... <laughs> How can you not kill nine-year-olds is a funny fucking... Uh, thing and also i was when we were watching that one scene you basically had like uh they were doing the japan was like we're doing our j-horror thing mm-hmm. and they defeated the ghost and that they were trapped in a classroom with of course classroom ghosts there's so many of them yeah it could have been a toilet ghost i'm no professional uh when it comes to the plethora of japanese ghosts mm-hmm. but the children are all in a circle chanting and burning effigies underneath and they have their charms and they're burning those they defeat the ghost and turn it into a frog a happy frog a happy frog and they're all like yay i'm like oh man that's hilarious that was great if a, like you said if a horror movie ended like that you'd be so pissed oh yeah i would just be i'd be like watching the movie and be in town like yeah classroom ghost where's this going and then no one dies and uh, then they just defeat it with like that. I'd be like, well, we luckily get something different because we have this strange feeling where you have this weird big brother party going on where they've won in the complex. And on the screens, you see our final girl, Dana, having her throes of agony as she's being throttled, tortured and 
and choked out and tossed around fighting, by this massive zombie fighting for her fucking life up on the screen while there's beers and tequila like, you're seeing dudes like dudes trying to like hook up with ladies like so oh, i got these tickets to the ballet the music's yeah. rocking yeah yeah and, and it's like it's such a weird feeling because it's like i've been at one halloween party once where they were showing movies on the screen. And that's exactly what it felt like. People were just partying and hanging out. And there was a horror movie. But this is our horror movie. This is the horror movie we're watching that's yeah. unfolding and and finishing. This is the end of it, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, until the red phone starts ringing. There's a slight problem. Stoner is not dead. Stoner is not dead. Which is great because, you know, we didn't see him die. We saw his blood go in the sigil. Don't know but what whatever, that's all about. everyone bleeds. Everyone bleeds, but he could, and he bled a lot. He fucking bled a lot. True, but he didn't die. No, and that's one of those stoner tropes to me. Is they're somehow indestructible? Yeah, they, a lot of times stoners make it out of the ends of these movies very Jane Silent Bob style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. or they or they'll like get shot really, really badly or something like that, or and, and then just they'll be, be fine. like, oh, dude, yeah, got a light. Yeah, yeah, and they'll just be like, oh man, oh, I don't feel so good. Or it's like, oh, I think I'm too high. I don't even notice that I've been shot. Yeah, exactly. And then like they get sent off to the ambulance, and then they get killed in the sequel. I'm looking at you, Jamie Kennedy. Um, but Marty saves her from this fucking redneck zombie, and when they return to the cabin, he's shaken. Like he's he's been bloodied for sure, uh, but he's mentally shaken at this point. He's fully awake. In the way that only a Timothy Leary fan could be. <laughs> he has seen the light. He knows that there's Big Brother stuff going on. He's the one he was fucking with the electrical panel, as mm-hmm. I said. He was the one that accidentally, luckily, stopped those charges from going off. He's discovered a panel in the floor that opens to an elevator with no controls in it. He's fucking freaked out. And there's a dead zombie, a pile of gelatinous goo, and twittering on the floor and twitching and trying to get at him, but even though it's like chopped into a million pieces. And Dana's like totally, absolutely freaked out by this point because she has just almost been drowned, fighting for her life, gone through this whole zombie attack and seen the weird matrix wall and all kinds of shit is going through her mind. And she sees this pile of gelatinous goo, which is here maybe the best line of the entire film, where Marty says, oh yeah, I had to dismember him with the trowel. Ah, what have you been up to? (laughs) And it's great because we've got all this going through our head. We know what she's been up to, all that. Wow. Okay. She's a good final girl. She's a good final girl. If this were a horror movie. Yeah. The director, um, or one of the directors of of the facility, he is... um, I guess the director is Sigourney Weaver, but like one of the guys, he basically is like, oh, I'm like, I feel like I want her to win. Like I'm pulling for her. And I was really thinking about it as he was saying those lines. I'm like, why? Like, it seems like you're barely paying attention to what's even happening. Uh, but then he's like, tequila. He's like super into that. But like, um, uh, no, yeah, I agree. She's a good final girl. Um, she's a survivor. And uh, But now they're going... That may as well go into the belly of the beast. And what, this is what the movie's really about. This is this is what the movie's really about. Because once the cabin thing is over, now you're in high tech. It becomes Resident Evil to me. Like, you have her walking around with a knife. He's got a Glock. Resident Evil and a little bit of 13 Ghosts, a little 13 bit of Cube. Ghosts, yeah, you know, Cube, there's all yeah. kinds of stuff going on here in the sci-fi realm, mm-hmm. um, the sci-fi horror realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it's not a sci-fi horror movie by any stretch of the fucking imagination, but 
we get our rogues gallery yeah of ghouls and creepy crawlies and ghastly beasts and fornicus lord of bondage and pain <laughs> you do like fornicus i do i um looking at this the, by the way um the, the next sequences are what i refer to as the most gifable moments in this film every single time that i see clips from this movie it's all from none of it is from the first hour of this movie it's all the last 90 minutes yeah they are going through this elevator that goes like a willy wonka elevator up down sideways diagonally whatever and they see these different ghosts we see a little ballerina girl we're talking about we see just a ghost we see like a wolf man we see all kinds of beasts and all kinds of snakes and spiders and fucking the twins from the shining the twins from the shining like the grady's are there or or at least some a representation an allegory and and so as horror fans you can be like what have we seen? Like, well, that's Python, and that's well, we don't we see Q, the wing of whatever, but it's not Quetzalcoatl. Yeah. It's something else. Yeah, I like yeah. it. We see the bat, but it's not the bat. It's a yeah. different bat because its mouth opens, kind of like a, a creature from Descent. But- yeah, creature, yeah, kind of like creature from Descent. And you really get to, like we don't really get to see too much of these characters because you really could just watch that these sequences over and over again to try to get a fucking handle on everything that's going on like you want to talk about getting it's like fucking edm like it is just fucking throbbing into your brain and you're just trying to like take it all in like what's this what's going on whoa look at these colors like like there's a fucking robot with nothing but circular saws for arms and i'm thinking about like every killer it's like hardware right like it's like fucking like every killer robot movie that we've ever seen it's it's every ghost movie that we've ever seen it they got like basically the fucking strangers in, in they the, do, and a very cool representation of the strangers too, like because none of these things are second rate. Well, some of them are second rate um, representations of these horror creatures and and heroes of ours. Mm-hmm. And some of them are extremely fucking well done. Mm-hmm. I think that Fornicus, as much as I like him, and he's friendly, and he's my friend, yeah. but he is a second rate pinhead. Yeah, for sure, for it's, sure. It's like it's like when you go to like a grocery store and you see like the no name brand next to the real brand, you're like. Well, this one is cheaper, but... He's more like Agonistes or something like that. He's like a a, a different Clive Barker type person. But yeah, he is the no-name brand. The the, the no-name brand Pennywise, too, right? The no-name brand Pennywise is a little too cheeky, yeah. Yeah. But So they're all very fucking well done, right? They are all very fucking well done. Especially the one who the zoologist did confirm that they had. And this is who I think that they were betting on at the beginning of the film. Yeah. Is not a horror hero of ours. No. It's a fucking unicorn. It's a fucking unicorn. This may be the hero of childhood hopes and dreams. Or that one bookmark I had from Coles when I was a kid that said, um, anything that you can believe you can see, it had a unicorn on it. And I didn't buy it. It was a birthday thing. (laughs) But that's... The unicorn comes galloping down the hall mm-hmm. and impales a guy on its horn and then stabs him a couple times with it. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I want to see the unicorn horror movie. It would be very fucking fascinating because you're not kidding. The the unicorn gets out. All of these fucking things get out because for some reason, initially this is the, this is the, the, the real crux of the whole thing. The ritual isn't over, so they need to fucking get their shit together and finish it. They need to kill Marty. They need to kill Marty specifically. And that you can kill them both 
but Dana you can't, can't kill her first. No, because that that screws up the fucking ritual. Yeah. Um. Every and and we know this because this is it's no mistake or no accident that horror movies follow this formula because it is supposedly supposed to be the formula that was created eons ago and how we keep the old ones from destroying the world. Yeah. Like this is the this is the ritual and this is why horror movies reflect that all the time. Now supposedly. Now um they manage thanks to uh part of the Buckners, part of the Buckners uh, to to not get just ace because they could really just like anyone in the facility could just blow Marty's brains out and that should do I suppose they yeah especially since the blood is already in the sigil I think that his death would work and anyone could should be able to kill him yeah and that's not gonna go well now they have there's the facility has a big old purge button why would that why? it is my this is my fucking hot tub that goes to 300 degrees. This thing does not fucking exist. It would never would exist. They would not build it in. There'd be no reason for it. It's like having a big button in a maximum security prison that says, release the doors and unlock the gates. It's just one button that does all that. No, those things don't exist. A kill switch, basically, for the thing that can that is protecting the entire planet from all of these ghosts and ghouls and creepies and fucking killers. No, 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 this does not exist. But here it does, luckily, and it says purge facility, which explains it to a dummy. It's not just an unlabeled button or a code you need to enter. Oh, it's like the back computer. It's like fucking labeled, like, (laughs) big old purge button. Sure. They push the button, and all of these fucking things escape simultaneously. A lot of big, fast animals. Like, there's a lot of big animals. Like the werewolf. Werewolf, yeah. The unicorn. Big snake. The bat. The The snake is cool, and I like the snake's roar. I like the amount of blood that this scene generates. There's a lot. It's basically, it's painted. It's just painted fucking red. And and the only things that are still there are just like your sleepy little zombies. They're just like non on things. Shit. Yeah, I like that. Let me ask you this, because I am genuinely curious what you think. Did they make these things? Did they find these things? Did the old ones provide them with these things? I think they've been collecting these things all of our lives as human beings. Slowly, one by one, chain the walls in certain points or building giant jails for them. And then slowly, as technology allowed, and you could go on a hunting expedition. You know, okay, we've got all these things in these cool cages that we built in the fucking 13 ghost house. Uh, We hear that there's a werewolf, so let's go find it and we'll trap it and we'll use it too and just collect all these fucking things. Yeah, that's what I think too. I think that they were they these things do exist in the world, and they are collected to be used in this specific way. Okay, yeah, that's what I think. Because I don't think the old ones were like, "Hey, buddy, yeah. we want to have a nap." So, so we don't destroy all of y'all. What we're gonna do is give you this giant Rubik's cube full of fucking ghosts and beasts and killers well i was thinking more i was thinking more like the old ones like these things would be um you know how there's almost like smaller little pockets of evil and destruction by virtue of the fact that these old ones would theoretically be beacons of chaos so like there would be like agents yeah agents of them so like i'm not saying necessarily that 
that like th- that's why they're on, in the world in the first place because they do kind of say like you think these things are bad there's things way worse than that and i'm like well if that's the case could these things be like leftover minions leftover things from the old ones and stuff like that or like um abominations like cyclopean yeah yeah, yeah exactly. that aren't that were just the offspring in an experiment themselves yeah exactly you know titans to the gods and stuff yeah. like that yeah. um because these things do like kind of like strike me as like titans. That's that's because when they they keep saying like the old gods and old ones, I what are you thinking? You're instantly thinking like, Cthulhu, and I'm thinking the sleeping nameless ones. Yeah, exactly. That's the what great you're ones. Yeah, the great ones. And we do see some tentacle action. Uh, but that's, and nah, nah, everybody yeah, under yeah, yeah. the ocean the gang, the old gang, and yeah, all that, that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, but we get really more like a reveal of like oh, it kind of reminds me of like the titans from like god of war and shit like that but anyway um you uh are now treated to like this entire facility and this is like a smorgasbord of of horror shit going on like i'm like you're sitting here we're watching this on a big fucking screen 4k watching the fucking gang 4k edition of cabin in the woods on a giant fucking tv and i still can't fucking take it in like there, I, I, I saw it in the theater and i enjoyed it but i felt that i i wish i could have zoomed in a little bit you know what i mean but yeah uh you can pause it i've paused this movie before and yeah. drank it in that's the only way really because they have everything yeah like every type of ghost we see like like there, at one point, like I said, there's like a, you know you got that little ballerina girl and like she's just dancing around and there's like somebody that's just a guy sort of like crawling away and this chick that looks like she might be like a Sadako type thing just like staring at him. Um, you have like these fucking animals zipping in and out: the bat, the snakes, the spiders, everything. You Gremlins, have demons, demons, hordes of demons, hordes of demons. You have just your basic slashers. There's definitely characters. I'm like that's just like a fucking slasher crazy person like who are crazy these? demented people crawling on the ceiling and you have fornicus lord of bondage and pain it seems that yeah. he has a minion yeah so, yeah like, yeah so like basically there's like oh we're basically like horny cenobites i don't know oh. but like <laughs> wow i'm gonna just go over here oh god anyway uh yeah everything 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 but the party is going to be crashed pretty soon yeah they make it through a hole in the wall, thanks to our friend the giant bat. Yeah. And they escape from this carnage, to a certain extent, through the walls. Mm-hmm. And make their way to a quieter portion of the facility, mm-hmm. where they are intercepted by the voice mm-hmm. of Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver herself. The director. Who basically, you know, at the end of the day, just explains to them that Marty needs to die. And I hope you can forgive us. Like, Sorry. Mm-hmm. But, like, this is just the way it is, and it's one life, or five lives, really, uh, for every life on Earth. Their answer to why us, from Sigourney Weaver's mouth, is your youth. That is the only common denominator, because we got to see a little bit of what's going on on the screens around the world where they're also conducting these rituals, mm-hmm. or attempting to conduct these rituals. And, yeah, that was the only real common denominator, and you didn't notice it, probably, at first glance. And especially because in a Japanese schoolroom, they are going to be surrounded by nine-year-olds. So it doesn't strike you that that's a commonality between these groups. But the youth is the only real common denominator. That needs to happen. Then the horror needs to die. The other three need to die in whatever order. And then the virgin is optional. 
I like that the virgin is optional. That's fun. Uh, Dana points out she's not a virgin. Yeah. He's like, we work with what we got. I like that too. Because <laughs> I'm, it's the year 2018. Yeah. She's like, we're probably being born now, not virgins. It's true. And also like there was a whole, there was a whole thrown away plot point about the fact that she was fucking her college professor. Yeah. So it's like, she's not a virgin guys. Like, yeah. Um, we know this. No, yeah. no, no. She's a, she's a, a sexually active woman. Now, um, the one thing that you skipped over that I thought you wouldn't skip over, but I want to talk about it real quick. Scarecrow mm. magic. <gasps> Scarecrow magic. There's fucking Scarecrow. Of all the fucking horror heroes that you see, and there's probably some we didn't notice. Yeah. But uh, Scarecrows, man. Scarecrows. And and I like that our, our, uh, our security guy down there fucking basically blows himself up to try to like... Because these scarecrows are fucking him up. They're just, like, ripping him apart. It's almost like a third kind of zombie. There might even be four kinds of zombies down there. It's true. But I was, but again, that just made me like, no, I just want more scarecrow-based horror movies. Or Aquaman. Because the one guy keeps harping on the fact that Aquaman's never been one that's chosen. He would always bet on Aquaman. And they'd make fun of him about Aquaman. And he's like, I just want to see an Aquaman. And you, you've got this vision of Aquaman. I'm thinking, what, Marvel? Is yeah, it Marvel's Mar- Aquaman? Or, uh, and I'm like, who the fuck gives a shit about Aquaman? Nobody gives a shit about Aquaman. Or DC. It's a DC it's guy. It's a DC guy? Okay. Yeah. He's not scary. That's my point. Uh, one of them says, you don't want to see an Aquaman. They're fucking terrifying. And I'm thinking, how can that be terrifying? Then we do get to see the Aquaman. And so does the guy who's always wanted to see an Aquaman up close and Yeah, personal. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? They are fucking terrifying. And he blows blood through his blowhole, which yeah, is great. That was, never seen that before. <laughs> yeah, same fun stuff. But, you know, it's all come to an end, Wes, because that's it. One of them needs to die, and it better be Marty first, or the old ones are going to come and destroy our entire planet every human on life is going to die in agony dana fucking pulls that gun too sweet she's like she's totally she's like well i'm sorry man (laughs) sorry man but then you know marty doesn't want to die at least not that way and which is weird to me because i suppose like it's hard to reconcile in your head that yeah i do need to die to save everybody else because i'd be like fuck that I'll die with along with everybody. I'll take my chances. Yeah, but, I would probably just die along with everybody because we're gonna we're all gonna fucking die. Like, and there's no guarantee. Like, I don't know. I just yeah. don't feel there's a guarantee in this ritual, even though it's been guaranteed for eons. I feel like this would be the one time that the old ones are like, "Well, we're up. We're up so, already." Yeah. It's funny because we ended up uh, um, almost losing Dana to not only a werewolf but the director herself. Yeah. Until who comes to our rescue? Patience Buckner. Patience Buckner comes in because we had seen her sort of toddling around the halls. I wish we would have saw more of her toddling around the halls, although it might have set up the inevitable end. Mm. Uh, at this point, it doesn't feel so inevitable because Patience makes her way into this place where the sigils are because they've seen the huge stone slabs with their likenesses carved on them. And this is where they are in this quiet place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, well, I, I guess things just don't work out to plan because it just ends with our with Marty and Dana just waiting for the inevitable, and we do get to a glimpse of what these old ones are by their giant stone fiery arm just coming up out of the cabin. The cabin is just completely obliterated as this giant thing just erupts. giant sun blocking golem creatures and the hand crashes down into our point of view and that's the end of the film cabin the woods Mm -hmm. 
coming in the woods. And then it's done. I'm glad that you enjoyed it a little more and that it didn't like shore up your dislike of the film. I, I need to, uh, in this case, I needed to sit back and just allow the movie to be the movie and forget about the fact that Joss Whedon said something that pissed me off. And then, and, and just be like, all right, let's just watch the movie. I try to tell people to do that all the time to yeah. like not put personal baggage. And you're not it. alone in your attitude towards this film. And there's an inkling of it even in those who like it. Yeah. 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 And I think that um, it's got a lot of cool stuff going for it. Like, I, I do like all the creatures, and the special effects are cool, and the gore is pretty good. And it's an, it's an interesting idea. I just wish that. Um, Whedon pulled back on some of his Whedon dialogue and and also the last thing and this is like a very nitpicky fucking thing I found it very interesting that none of the creatures attacked each other they were very much and I'm not saying that they you're right and I would like to like take a look and see if there are any instances there must be at least one to prove us wrong but yeah they are and, all just kill the humans they just kill the humans and I wouldn't say that anyone was teaming up I wouldn't say that but it definitely seemed like every corner of every room was just its own horror movie and they and the and the, the creatures virtually ignored everyone else that it, maybe that's what it's like out in the wild you'll have to maybe. ask your local werewolf or unicorn <laughs> what do we got next for Coming up next, we're going to stick into the woods, but a whole different tack, Wes. We're going to watch Fire in the Sky. Oh. That's going to be really exciting. It's going to be different. We're we're delving a little into sci-fi horror, and we're going to be delving back into a true story, and we're going to be talking about freaky fucking aliens, and we're going to talk about me being a weirdo UFO kid. I know you were a UFO kid. I was a weirdo UFO kid. My mom... I come from a long line of weirdo UFO kids. And 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 this movie scaring the ever living shit out of me as a kid. The idea scares me still. And even the aftermath, if you want some background on this and the true story, the Generation Y podcast did a very comprehensive episode on this incident. And yeah, it is it's almost a Whitley Strieber sort of communion level of, of unsettling and kind of terrifying of what this guy went through and i haven't seen this movie since i was a teen and i'm very excited to see it again this is something about my mom my mom was a huge ufologist Mm -hmm. or ufologist however you want to pronounce that (laughs) yeah so i'm very excited to watch this movie and it's kind of a break from this really scary horror movie we just covered wes I shit my pants. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Well, I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air.